This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me, previewing Michigan's road trip at Nebraska. There'll be lots of preview stories over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com to come in the next couple days. Myself and Josh Newkirk will be live on the scene in Lincoln, providing you updates uh, at the exact same website. And we'll, of course, we'll have a post-game podcast episode as well, given it's a night game, probably Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. But regardless, this episode, we're going to look at keys to the game, some other storylines from this week in, in practice. We'll do our over-under predictions and then our final thoughts on this matchup. So, Steve, just to get things started, I, I have to think the biggest key to this game in terms of a strength of Nebraska that Michigan must be mindful of is Adrian Martinez. Uh, you know, very, very experienced and very talented quarterback I mean he was the starter when they played three years ago in in 2018 I think that was actually his first road start even but anyway he's he's still starting uh great dual threat guy and and what stands out to me about him is I think he can decide at any time he wants to run and it will work you know he you know there are some dual threat quarterbacks or mobile quarterbacks who uh you know it's kind of got to be a designed situation he's someone in my opinion you can't ever take the spy off him in in the sense of like, even if the play looks like it's going to be one, you know, he can change his mind on a, on a second's notice. So Steve, we haven't really seen Michigan face a, a true mobile quarterback, at least in my, in my opinion, uh, so far this season. I mean, guys like Mertz and, and uh, Washington's quarterback, whose name escapes me, but you know, they were kind of, middle infielder athletic. I mean, they could, they could shuffle around, make move out of the pocket, but Adrian Martinez is a different beast. What, what have you seen from, from him so far this season? And, and, and how, how well do you feel Michigan's defense is equipped at kind of stopping him or or limiting what he can do? It's definitely going to be a test for that ability to slow down the big play defensively. Right. Uh, Martinez just looking at him statistically is a lot of all or nothing. It kind of feels like 75 yard touchdown run. He's their leading rusher. Obviously their leading passer. Um, but also he's been sacked 18 times this season, which is quite a bit. Um, but he is, I mean, you talk about uh, cutting the head off of the dragon. This is a classic case of that, whether he was a dual threat guy or not. I mean, this is just a classic case of he's by far their best player. He has the experience that you mentioned before. The other thing too, I go back to the intangibles type deal. Uh, Nebraska's needs a signature win under Scott Frost. And I think Martinez needs a signature game to really kind of maybe win back the fan base. Uh, 
beating Northwestern, Buffalo, and Fordham. Uh, as well as they've played, you know, all three of their losses are within a touchdown. Uh, Two-point conversion against – they lost by eight against Illinois, but but point stands. So, yeah, I think Marti- it is, is as Martinez goes, Nebraska goes. You know, they, they're – I think their receiving core is a little bit more healthy heading into this game. But he's a guy I feel like if you slow him down in the running game, I do think – Again, he's played out of his mind all year, but this this does feel like a game that another game that Aiden Hutchinson can kind of put his stamp on because if Michigan can limit Martinez in the running game, uh, I think he's capable of making a couple mistakes in the pass if Michigan can get the right kind of pressure on him. Yeah, he also has six fumbles this year, which uh, I don't mean to suggest. Well, actually, I guess six is a lot. Uh, if it's it, it, you know, he had. Had two it against Illinois that were pretty costly. Two at Michigan State that were pretty costly, and so that's that's another thing. But he is averaging four point eight one yards after contact per attempt. That's according to Pro Football Focus. I assume that means runs where that weren't sacks. I assume that's sack adjusted. But um, yeah, he's someone that can that can really. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he can make you pay, and I, I agree. The big play capability is is probably what makes him the most dangerous. I'm really curious to see how the linebackers hold up because I think that group has quietly played, maybe not too quietly, but I think that that that's as good as a linebacker core since the 2018 season, in, in my personal opinion. And and um, I mean, Nikai Hill Green. I think before he played this season, I think the reputation around him was that he was kind of a maybe a Mike McCray type where he's big, he tackles hard, great against the run, but kind of unknown as as someone who needs to move around in space. And and you know, George Hilo was just talking about today, shed 15 pounds this offseason, uh, which is not easy for a rising redshirt freshman to necessarily do, you know, let alone one who was already a Big Ten football player, like his body was already perceived as good enough to to make an impact, but he he continued his progress there. So, um, you know, I think he's a lot faster. Josh Ross, I I don't know his what his forty time was before. I don't know what it is now. He just straight up looks faster. And and I think Daxton Hill really helps with this. He I know he's not a linebacker, but he's someone that that I think could play a really big role in shutting down Martinez in a way other teams maybe haven't necessarily been able to in that he can, I mean, he obviously has to do his coverage duties, but when he's getting after the quarterback, Adrian Martinez is not outrunning Daxton Hill and, and and Hill is gradually getting better at understanding, you know, when he blitzes where he needs to go, how to not over pursue, because that will be one thing. You mentioned Hutchinson. I think if there was a critique on Aiden Hutchinson's game entering this season, it was that he could over-pursue at times, and and that would cost him a sack versus a, a quarterback pressure. Feels like he's gotten better at it. This will this game will test that. But yeah, I think I think the big thing for me will be just seeing how the linebackers, how disciplined they are, you know, how how um, I guess how consistent they are because it you mentioned the all or nothing that's that that's seen as an as a negative in a lot of cases but 
sometimes that's a positive for a team, you know, like all or nothing means like all it takes is, is one mistake. And, um, and, and he's off and, and Martinez has 17 broken tackles this season on 42 carries. That's very good. I mean, that's a, that's not just elite for a quarterback. That's pretty darn good for a running back as well. So that will be a big thing. Any other keys, Steve, for Michigan's defense in this matchup? I mean, I, I'd kind of venture to say this is probably the best offense Michigan has faced all season, even with some of the fumbles and the inconsistencies. Any other keys for you for Michigan's defense? I do think I agree. I think this is the best offense they face, but I also think this is another offensive line that they can, they can get pressure. They can create havoc oh, yeah. on the yep. inside. Right. That's, that's, I think. So obviously two things I suspect Nebraska is going to do try to run Martinez consistently. And then also probably some quick strike type stuff to try to negate that pressure. So be interesting to see how McDonald attacks that. But if there's any drop back or any extended play stuff, I think Michigan uh, has an opportunity to, to really make some some big plays. So, uh, but yeah, one guy I watch, I remember when he was being recruited, I'm not, I think he's their second or third leading receiver. One guy I'm kind of watching might challenge Michigan secondary is uh, Omar Manning is a guy, a yeah. little bigger, gives them a little bit something different than I don't think they've really seen on the outside yet this year. So could be a guy that Martinez will target, you know, because Really, you think about it, all the talk about Aiden Hutchinson, Josh Ross, even Daxon Hill, uh, we really, and this is a good thing, haven't really heard Michigan's corners, their names much at all the last couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, that's one of those things that's a good thing, but it also can, it can be a thing where you, you want these guys to be challenged every once in a while so they stay fresh and, and locked in. Uh, so that this week, I think that'll happen. It'll be a big test for them. Yeah, that's a good point. I actually, as someone who gets to see the coverage stats every week, I actually think Vincent Gray is having a very strong season. And, and, and Jamon Green, it seems like in the first quarter of every game, he gives up one medium to big completion, and then he's, like, good the rest of the game. But, but um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, this is – this Nebraska pass rush – or pass protection, I should say – has allowed 94 quarterback pressures in six games. And, and that includes a couple, I guess you would call them gimme games. You know, they, they, they played Fordham. Uh, Northwestern does not have much of a pass rush this season. I would, I think that they're comfortably the worst team in the Big Ten right now. And, and yeah, it's just not a good, I mean, they're, they're, according to Pro Football Focus, their pass blocking is worse. It's the only one in the Big Ten that's worse than Wisconsin's has been so far. And they've played a weaker schedule than Wisconsin has so far. And, and we saw Michigan, six sacks, 29 quarterback pressures in 29 passing snaps against the Badgers. So I think, I think this is a game where Michigan can really – Granted, Martinez can escape sacks, so pressures don't necessarily mean everything, but, but I think this is a game where they can really, really kind of put their foot down, put their foot on the gas, and, and just uh, create some momentum-changing plays just by their ability to get by the offensive line. Yeah, so, so for me, if there was a player, in addition to the linebackers that I'm keeping an eye on, I let's see if David Ajabo can do it two weeks in a row. I mean, he... he 
he looked like someone who's going to be drafted last week against Wisconsin. Two and a half sacks, uh, six quarterback pressures, six run stops, seven tackles, a forced fumble. If he plays like that on Saturday, I don't, I don't, I don't know how many times Nebraska is going to be able to string together an entire drive. Yeah, you bring up a good point about about the receivers as well. Um, you know, they've just got they've got talent. I mean, this isn't this isn't a team that you know they're kind of. I think they're top twenty five in the team talent composite. They've had some departures in the receiving game. But yeah, Omar Manning, uh, to your point, he has been targeted 12 times this season. He has 12 catches for 176 yards. So it's literally 14.7 yards per attempt in his direction. Uh, I I don't believe he has a drop yet this season. Um, Yeah, it's going to be going to be a fascinating game. I, I do like where Michigan's cornerbacks are at. I think, as you said, we're not hearing about them a lot because Teams just aren't really able to throw in that direction. Martinez will certainly try it more than Wisconsin or Washington or Rutgers will. But yeah, this will be an interesting, interesting test for them. Key for Michigan's offense. I'm not particularly blown away by Nebraska's defense, but, but any particular key that you see for the Wolverines in this matchup? I think a lot of it is just kind of keep doing what you're doing, honestly. Nebraska not generating a lot of pressure, not generating a lot of sacks. They're solid against the run. Um, But, yeah, I agree with you. There's nothing about them that really blows me away. I would say Wisconsin has a better defense than Nebraska does, right? I mean, probably by – at least statistically by a semi-fair margin. Um, But I think it's more keep doing what they're doing. You know, we talked about last week two big things that Michigan's done – that can really be a big asset for them going forward is they've limited the big plays on off defense and they're, and McNamara has shown an ability to make big plays, throwing the ball down the field. Uh, feel like Michigan's offensive line should be able to give him time to, to do that again. Um, you know, that that's one thing that I feel like, you know, Michigan, I also think they'll be able to run the football Uh maybe as equal they did against Wisconsin, if not a little bit better. So if I'm Michigan, really, it's, it's sort of, if it's not broke, don't fix it uh, type of deal here. I just, it's, it's to me, I think offensively. And and again, with McNamara, I think it's going to be managing the hostile atmosphere. I think it's getting off to a good solid start and it's going to, you know, continue it. It's inevitable Michigan's going to turn the ball over at some point this season. There's, they're not going to go a whole season without turning the ball over. If Saturday is a game where they turn the ball over, to me, avoid doing it early in the game. Don't give Nebraska anything to, to build off of or, or any kind of footing to start the game off uh, that might make this game tougher than it would have been otherwise. So, you know, for Michigan, I think, yeah, uh, grab uh, revolve your offense around the run and use it to set up the pass, you know, and, and – I think Michigan should be should be able to do that uh, if they if they keep doing what they've been doing all season. Yeah, I think this to me, I think the big thing will just be dominate the trenches in the run game because uh, I think that's how that's how Nebraska loses any sort of mojo it has built. They 
quietly, I, I do think, I mean, it's kind of similar to the receivers. Like they, they quietly do have a talented pass rushing defensive front. I, I think in, in third and long situations, I, I do think they're able to pin their ears back and, and make some, some plays and, and their secondary is good. It's, it's a, I don't know where it would rank in the big 10, but it definitely in the top, top half in terms of coverage, especially. So I think Michigan can complete passes on Nebraska. I don't think it's going to be, doesn't feel like it's going to be like a Washington situation. I don't think their secondary is quite as good as Rutgers is, but I think it, Michigan really can do itself a lot of favors if it can be in more third and four instead of third and nine. So I think, I think being able to dominate the run game, because that, that probably is the, the one area you and I talked about this last week, even if, if you're looking at Nebraska, okay, they've got a few intriguing players. They've got some things that they can do well, but they're Michigan is Michigan on paper should dominate them in the trenches. This is not, <laughs> I I'm going to poke the bear a little bit here. This is not going to be a Scott Frost press conference where if Michigan does its job, he's not going to be able to say Nebraska out hit Michigan in this game. And, and, you know, he famously said that after UCF lost by like 40 plus to Michigan in 2016. Doesn't feel like that. I mean, I, you know, they, 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 Michigan's offensive line versus Nebraska's defensive line in the run game, not a particularly uh, close matchup at Michigan. Michigan should be able to, to do well there. And then the other thing I, I think something that's, that's kind of fascinating me rewatching this, this Wisconsin game really think Cade McNamara. I mean, I don't know how many, I don't know if there's a way to measure this, but the way he's able to avoid sacks and still keep a play alive without, I mean, for not even being a particularly mobile or speedy quarterback, uh, it's really impressive. And and Michigan's running backs, we've talked about their fall forward rate all the time. That's where I think, you know, your your whole point of doing what you're doing, their ability to avoid negative plays has been such a tremendous help to the offense and just just making sure that the the life doesn't get sucked out of what they can do. Turn no turnovers helps too, but but as you mentioned, you can't necessarily go into a game saying, oh yeah, they're not going to turn the ball over today. But you you can kind of count on Michigan avoiding those negative plays. Steve, any other either storylines or things you're keeping an eye on? I know it's going to be a night game. Uh, Michigan's first trip to Nebraska since 2012. Uh, just their third trip ever. I think they visited in 1911 as well. But, you know, so, so it'll be a big atmosphere. You mentioned Nebraska is kind of desperate for this game. This was Initially, your trap game, I think I, th- I don't think it necessarily counts as, a, as too much of a trap game anymore, but um, anything else on your mind in terms of a key for Michigan heading into this matchup? No, nothing like big as far as like key keys. No, but like I'm still going to pat myself on the back uh, for that one because, you know, trap game, I think, is labeled as game that team might look past. When I, I've always – I thought it was more about – um, you know, like a, a game that might be tougher than what you initially realized. This game looks a lot harder than maybe I think people realize heading into the season, uh, particularly after they lost to Illinois to open up the season. So um, 
But as far as actual keys, keys, no, I mean, I do. I think defensively it comes down to just slow down the Adrian Martinez and then on the offensive side of the ball, just kind of keep doing what you're doing. I agree with the negative plays. That's where Hassan Haskins is so valuable for Michigan and, and Cade McNamara's ability so far to not take a sack, you know, and, and either make something out of nothing or make the smart play and get rid of the ball has been really valuable. So, you know, keep doing that type of stuff. And I think Michigan has enough in the trenches on both sides to uh, come out of there with a victory. Yeah, I think uh, the only thing I would mention as a, it's an additional key. So ESPN's football power index, they do offensive, defensive, and special teams efficiencies. I actually think that they're, you know, just eye tests, particularly with the Big Ten teams I'm able to watch. I actually think they're pretty accurate. I don't know the entire formula, but Michigan is number one in the country in special teams efficiency. And, and I, I, I got to think they're top five, even if, you know, you know not just ESPN, but like other metrics. I, I got to think they're pretty much top five across the board. Nebraska is 128th in special teams efficiency. I mean, it has been, and they aren't just struggling on special teams. I mean, it has been an absolute sore spot. Um, you know, just the, the mental mistakes, the mental miscues. I'll, I'll repeat what I said last week or maybe two weeks ago about uh, <laughs> their, their punt coverage. Michigan State sent two punt returners out there. The ball went to the left. The guy on the right, you know, set up shot, pretend like he was about to field a punt. And everyone on Nebraska's punt coverage team went after that guy. The ball wasn't coming to him. And instead, the guy on the left took the ball and, and pretty much, I mean, he could, you and I could have scored a touchdown on that return. I mean, he didn't, ha- he could have jogged in. And so, you know, just a lot of mental miscues. And so I think if, if Michigan goes in and, and keeps the same, Jim Harbaugh always uses the phrase battle rhythm, uh, you know, just doesn't get flustered or, or frustrated by the moment or the night game or, or, avoid anything weird happening. Nebraska is a team that is struggling with the mental mistakes in a football game. So I think that's a, that's a a big time key special teams efficiency. Isn't just coverage and returns. It's also kicking and punting, but, but I think this is a team, this is a game where Michigan should really win the field position battle. uh, And, and if they can avoid, uncharacteristic mistakes which so far this season they have been able to avoid those you know they can they can come out of here you know they can they can come out with a very big special teams advantage that that parlays into an overall advantage we're going to take a quick break on the other side our over-unders and our final predictions for this game you're listening to the wolverine 24 7 podcast Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? 
And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, welcome back. Thanks for waiting. Yeah, so our over-unders, as always, uh, brought brought to us by Neil uh, or uh, via Azul over on our message board, which everyone is welcome to join and, and join the discussion there. Last week, we both went five for eight, which means our season total is I am 19 for 32, and you are 15 for 32. So let's start with the offense. Oh, this is an interesting storyline that maybe we, we haven't discussed too much of. J.J. McCarthy over under 5.5 snaps played. So not talking about passes or production, but does he get in for six snaps in this contest? Over or under? I'll go with the over on this one. I think they're yeah. slowly going to kind of start to work that more and more into the offense. Um, one thing I'm interested in, it's clear they've been bringing McCarthy in to expand that zone read package to include some runs from the quarterback position. But I kind of wonder, tell me if you agree, this might be going a little, thinking a little bit too much, that Michigan is using it to set up McNamara to keep one on a big play at some point, almost like, they're making it so obvious that McCarthy's coming in to give them that dual dual situation that I think they're going to sneak one in with, with McNamara at one of these points in a big game, because it's become, it's almost become uh, predictable at this point that he's going to hand it off in short yardage situations. I mean, he's, he's, I don't even know if he has kept. So I I almost kind of wonder if Michigan's really playing some chess here, uh, you know, that's a little bit of an aside from the original point, but I, I will go over because I just, I think Michigan's going to continue to work that in more and more. And I suspect we'll see McCarthy maybe even a little bit earlier than we did last Saturday. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go the over because the other thing is if Michigan's up by, if they happen to be up by three touchdowns, I'm not necessarily predicting that they will, but if they happen to be up by three touchdowns, then he's obviously playing more than six snaps. So I, I'm going to take the over. I, I think it could be the over, even if it is a close game. Um, clearly they were comfortable putting him in there when Michigan was up three starting the second half. I, I like where you're going with the, with the read thing. I think in my opinion, because I, you're not the first person to, to bring that up. Um, I do think they are setting it up so that at some point Cade's going to keep I can't help but think that they're not going to have him keep unless Michigan is trailing in a, well, I think they'll have him keep against Ohio state, but I think the rest between now and then I, there, I, it seems like Michigan's number one goal is to have a healthy quarterback room by the end of the season. So McCaffrey or sorry, McCarthy is 
almost playing that McCaffrey role when it was Shea Patterson and, and, and Dylan McCaffrey in 2018, I suppose, where because he's the backup, they're a little bit more comfortable. And he, I think he is faster too, uh, McCarthy, but they're almost more comfortable letting him keep the ball and, and maybe risk taking a genuine tackle at this point in the season. Cause it, it feels like the season's gone on for a long time, but it really, I mean, it's only October 6th, you know, you need your quarterback, your starting quarterback healthy through the end of November. So plenty of season left. So I, that, that would be my assessment of it. I'm with you though. I think, I mean, I don't know. McNamara can keep the ball. <laughs> it's the, it's not, it's not out of his skill set. And so, yeah, do, can they, can they successfully bait teams into maybe, maybe lulling them to sleep um, before he keeps it for a, for a big play. Number two, we haven't really talked a ton about the run game the last couple of weeks, just because it hasn't, hasn't been as dominant as it was the first three games of the season. 149.5 yards for Haskins and Corum. I have to assume that's rushing only, uh, but do they get to 150 combined in this game? I'm going to go over. I think Michigan wins the battle up front uh, on both sides of the ball, but I, I do think they do enough. Offensive line does enough, I think. Kind of similar how I feel about last week. I don't – where did they end up last week? Did they get Did they get that? Corum and Haskins? Yeah, close. It was like 95 yards. Okay. Um, I just – I think there's a big play in there somewhere this weekend. So I'm kind of banking on that again, but I'll, I'll say the over, I think. Yeah, I the other thing that, that should quietly be mentioned is I mean, Corum clearly was taking some major hits in that game. So I I think if Michigan really wanted, if they had been in an over-under situation where it was set at 150, I think they could have gotten Corum and Haskins there. I think they were running the ball fairly well. There were a lot of plays for like zero yards or a lot of stuffs, but there were also a lot of five to seven yard plays. And I think there'll be a lot of those in this game. The one thing giving me pause, and I just looked this up, uh, Kenneth Walker, Michigan State's running back, someone who uh, is on a lot of Heisman lists, to be honest. He only ran the ball for 61 yards on 19 carries against the Cornhuskers in in an overtime victory. That's only 3.2 yards per carry. Now, Michigan's run game and and offensive line and running back situation is a little different than Michigan State's. So I think I'm actually going to take the under if it's rushing specific. I do think that both of them will have good games. And I'm with you. One big play makes me wrong. I think I'm going to take the under here just because Nebraska seems, you know, I'm not overly impressed with their run defense, but 150. It's just a hard one to predict uh, in 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 a in the Big Ten. I think I think the first three games of the season for Michigan gave us an inflated sense of what Michigan is going to do on the ground this year, and and they'll still be a good ground attack. But 300 yards a game is just not. Or I think it was 350 through the first three weeks of the season. Uh, it's just not a not a sustainable number. Next one, 8.5 catches for Mike Sainrestil. And Cornelius Johnson. 
interesting duo. I mean, I'd be curious the the rationale behind picking those two, but but Cornelius and Sane Rastill, do they get nine catches or more in this contest? I'll go with the under. It seems kind of high. It does seem kind of high. Yeah. Um, I have a suspicion as to why those were the two named. I'm not going to say it right now, but um, but I'm still going to go with the under. Nothing to add there. I just – I you know, it almost – like how many catches does Sainer still have this season? A handful? Yeah, I don't know if right? he even has – yeah. So I'll go with the under. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I'm also going to go with the under. That seems like a a pretty high number, period. Uh, yeah, so far this season, Cornelius Johnson has 10 catches. Mike Sainer still has – Fifth or five. So combined, they have 15 all season. So I'm going to go with the under. Number four, 45% third down completion percentage. That seems like a high third down completion percent. Maybe that must be consistent with what Michigan's done this season. But um, do they get 45% on third downs? Oh, boy. I'll say slightly under. That's pretty high for what should be a pretty raucous road environment. It, it's tempting to pick the over, though, just because we talk about they're, they're, they've rarely put themselves in third and long, and they have a guy like Haskins who, you know, third and two, third and three can, can get you that a lot of times. But I'm still going to take it to the under by a, a slight margin. Yeah, so far this season – Michigan is at 43.75. So that's a, it's a fairly consistent number. Uh, Nebraska's defense is holding the opponents to 37.25, which is actually below the nation's average, but that's still below 45. I'm, I'm going to take the, take the under. I do think overall third and fourth down combined. And that's something we didn't unpack too much on on Saturday when or Sunday when we recorded the post-game episode is uh, Mi- Michigan's starting to do a little bit of that NFL style. I mean, we're seeing more and more NFL teams going for it on fourth down. And, and you know, I th- Jim Harbaugh has not been afraid of fourth downs before, but I, I can't help but wonder if Matt Weiss bringing the, you know, he's bringing a lot of analytics uh, decision-making to this coaching staff. I can't help but wonder if they're kind of taking a page out of some of these NFL NFL teams playbooks and, and saying fourth and two, statistically speaking, based on Michigan's offensive line, based on Hassan Haskins ability, you know, if it's third and two, just go for it twice. Maybe not the exact same play, but, but maybe, maybe your team can get you a, get you a few feet. And so um, seeing a little bit more of that, I'd be curious where Michigan's fourth down attempts ranks among teams. I mean, especially given that they've never trailed. Uh, his, it has been a very high number this season. All right, switching to the defense. Adrian Martinez gets 254.5 passing yards. So not rushing yards, passing yards. Does he get that much over under 254.5? I, man, if he goes over, I think Michigan's in trouble. Uh, I see he had 244 against Michigan State. Um, I'll go. I mean, I think he, I think they have some success for sure. Uh, maybe more than Michigan's yielded so far this season, but I don't know if he gets that high. I think I'll go with the under. 
Yeah, I think that that is high. I don't know if has anyone thrown for that much against Michigan this year. Granted, he is the best quarterback Michigan's probably faced all season, but um, I'm going to take the under. I think I don't know. He'd have to hit like several 40 plus yarders, and Michigan just really hasn't allowed too many of those. He's only thrown for that twice this season, and once was against Fordham. Okay, you know, and and with Michigan's advantage defensive line versus Nebraska's offensive line. I just, it's unless they hit on a couple big plays again, which again, always a possibility, but you know, unless they do that, I just, I don't know how they, how he gets there. I, I guess. This one I'm, I'm going back and forth on this one a little bit. Michigan allows 4.4 yards per carry in this game. Seems like a high number given what Michigan's run defense has done, but you've mentioned Martinez has had those 75-yarders or 60-yarders or 80-yarders. Do they get to 4.4 yards per carry against the Wolverines? I'm, I'm going to stick with the under still. You know, Martinez has, had, has gotten some yards, but his per average is – he's a five – it's 5.2 yards per carry, and I do believe that's sack-adjusted. You know, so he's a lot in a lot of ways. I think where he's a bigger problem in the running game. Yes, he's capable of making the big play. We mentioned that earlier, but it's the ta- the broken tackles and stuff. Maybe on like a third and six, you know, type guy that you ha- that you really have to account for. So, you know, I, I think again, I think it'll, I think they'll approach that number. A lot of these are very like borderline. I feel like, and and this is another one. I think he'll get in the neighborhood, but or the, they'll get in the neighborhood as a unit. Uh, but I don't think quite they quite get there. So I'm, I'm going to go with the under. Yeah, I, I'll go with the under too. I I think again one big play kind of kind of negates the whole thing. But but I, I don't know. I test gut feeling under. All right, number seven. This is where we have to get our get our thinking caps on. Nine point five different players on Michigan's defense get at least one havoc play. For those that don't know, a havoc play can count. I mean, it's really anything that stands out in the box score: tackle for loss, or sack. Uh, well, I guess they both count. Tackle for loss, pass breakup, interception, or force a fumble. Not recover a fumble, but force a fumble. So, does Michigan get ten players to record at least? One havoc play in this matchup. That, that I'm putting my thinking cap on, but that seems high. Uh, I mean, I guess I'll go with the under. I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of ten guys that would. I mean, I can think of ten guys, obviously, but it's just that's a seems like a tall task. Uh, but I, I'm going to go with the under on that one. I just I'm going to feel like I'm playing the odds by going on the under. So last week. Nine players got it for Michigan against Wisconsin. I, I'm actually tempted to take the over here. I, I think the, the thing where it, get, where it becomes high is, is the tackles for loss. People can share tackles for loss. And then the players who are getting past breakups are very different. I mean, it's, it's, it's in many cases, other than like Daxton Hill, it's, it's generally players who aren't also getting tackles for loss. Uh, so I'm going to say over it's bold. I'm with you, but that's a very high number, but the way Michigan rotates its players in 
I think the way that they're going to be able to have success with generating negative plays, I think the frequency that, that Nebraska is going to pass downfield, even if guys aren't necessarily super open, I'm going to, I'm going to take the over on that one. Be, be a little, be a little bold. Number eight. Oh, I like this one. Does Michigan's season-long streak of never trailing? They're one of just four teams in the country. Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, and BYU are the only teams that can say this. They have not trailed all season. Slight giveaway for our score predictions, I suppose, if the answer is, is, is in one of these directions. Do they avoid trailing the Cornhuskers in this matchup? So under is that they will trail? Like, is that, I mean, I guess it doesn't, I think we could just say one or the other. Right. Yeah. Um, I actually do think they'll, they'll face a deficit. I think it'll be early. I think maybe Nebraska either scores on a scripted drive to early on or or gets, kicks a field goal and scores first. Uh, It's not indicative of my overall prediction, but uh, I am going to say, I think maybe Michigan trails for the first time this season. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say so too. It's kind of a tough one to predict. Um, so many different things can happen in the first two drives, but but Nebraska, I think we've maybe undersold them a little bit in this in this episode. I mean, they, according to you know a lot of analytics or, or I guess the advanced stat metrics, they're a top twenty five team in terms of quality of play. You know, thinking about S and SP plus rankings, ESPN FBI, PFF. You know, they're not a slouch team. They are playing at home. And I think the one thing that makes them different than Wisconsin, they have a worse defense than Wisconsin, but they have an offense that can, that can convert. When Wisconsin get, took the ball in Michigan territory uh, to open the game with, you know, fa- you know, fans were really excited and everything. And they couldn't do anything with it. If Nebraska inherited the ball with that situation, I'm inclined to think, they could work down the field and at least get some points. So if Michigan opens the game with a touchdown, I think we'll both end up looking wrong. I am going to take the odds though, and think that over the course of the 60 minutes, at some point, Nebraska holds a lead just because I, I, I do think that their offense can look really good. They can, you know, they can put something together in a hurry. Okay. Final thing for this episode, Steve, I guess your final assessment of this matchup or this game, what you think will happen and your score prediction for Saturday night. I do think, uh, I got to think that Nebraska is probably the best team that Michigan's faced. I'm not, you know, Wisconsin has three losses to three. I don't know where Notre Dame ended up ranked after their loss last week, but top 15 ish top 20 teams. You know, uh, but either way, I just Nebraska does strike a little more fear on the offensive side of the ball, as, as we've talked about. Uh, but that being said, I just I go back to the trenches. I just have a hard time seeing. I do think I do could foresee a scenario. Maybe Nebraska's front seven plays Michigan strong defensively. But I look at the maybe the biggest mismatch in this game is Michigan's front against Nebraska's offensive line. And this is a game, like I said, to begin the show, Aiden, this is a game I think where Aiden Hutchinson can really just kind of continue to put his stamp on this team and, and 
what they're capable of doing. Uh, and like you said, and we, we talked about the recap of the Wisconsin game, Ojabo's emergence is, is massive uh, for Michigan and could be the difference for them in some big games. So I just think that mismatch is going to be difficult for Nebraska to overcome. Um, so I'm going with Michigan. I think I had it uh, 27 to 20. I think Michigan covers. Uh, but I do think this is the first game all season that, well, I guess the Rutgers game uh, sort of qualifies, I guess, now that I think about it. But uh, this one, I think, goes down to the wire. This will be different than the Rutgers game in that I don't think Michigan jumps out to a big lead and kind of hangs on. I think this game is maybe enter the fourth quarter, not really sure what direction it's going to go. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I still kind of think Wisconsin would beat Nebraska like if they played straight up. But but the thing about Nebraska is they don't have one gigantic glaring strength, but they also don't have one gigantic glaring weakness. And I think Michigan was able to benefit from if to, to beat Wisconsin, all you have to do is blank. And I don't know if there's necessarily a formula like that against Nebraska. It's kind of weird to say about a team that's three and three, but you know, we haven't, so far, they've looked good at home. They haven't, they, you know, they, when they played Illinois, Michigan State, and Oklahoma, they were on the road in all of those games. Kind of, I'm with you. I just can't really convince myself that Michigan doesn't win this game in the trenches. And, and I think the best thing that could have happened for Michigan heading into this matchup is they found their pass rush last week. Not just the Jabo, but although obviously he played a, played a tremendous role in that, but, but, you know, I thought Taylor Upshaw had a couple of nice plays, Aiden Hutchinson, everyone knows about him. Mozzie Smith quietly three quarterback pressures. That's, that's, that's big, you know, Christopher Hinton. I felt like he was, I don't think he ended up with a ton of pressures, but it seemed like he was getting a little bit more push. This is a game where, where if you can get good push against Wisconsin's offensive line, as much as they've struggled, you're going to have a good day against Nebraska's offensive line more likely than not. So hard to see Nebraska being able to get comfortable offensively to the point to the tune of, you know, 25 plus points on the other side. So the question is, can Michigan just score more than the 20 to 21 that we're probably going to predict? Feels like they can. It does. You know, just Blake Corum can do, a lot rushing the ball, catching the ball. Hassan Haskins can do a lot as well. So yeah, feels like, feels like this will be a game. I like the 20, 27 to 20 score. I'll have to go in a different direction. I'll go 31 to, to 24. I mean, same margin, just maybe a, a little bit more back and forth, more high scoring. I think Michigan's advantage in the pass rush on special teams. And I think in the trenches running the ball is going to pay off in this matchup. And, and so we're both predicting Michigan to enter the bye week six and oh, so that would be, that would be really something for the Wolverines. If they could, if they could pull that off. I mean, given where expectations were entering the season, given how the rest of the schedule looks, you know, this is a, a big game. It'll be my first time at Nebraska. I'll finally have been to games at all 14 big 10 campuses. So, be sure to stay tuned for lots of coverage leading up to, during, and after the game over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Okay. 
Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.